0: No, we're leaving that in. Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Let's go. We're back, baby. We got a fun episode for you today. Um, uh, Brantley's here. Yep. And Ty is also here.
1: Hey.
0: I was going to give you, Brantley, a chance to have the first word on the pod. I sort Um, of did already. You did. You're right. You did. Um,
1: You said, yep. (laughs)
0: Last time we talked. The uh, Grizzlies were under a, a postponement of sorts, and uh, the, the closest uh, game to uh, when we recorded was against Chicago. That also got postponed, so we talked a lot about Grizz coming back on that uh, night. I think it was January 27th was the exact date that they were supposed to come back, but they didn't until uh, later, and since then, the Grizzlies have played five games, and we're actually recording right now Uh, We started recording at halftime of the Raptors game, so by the end of the podcast, you might have some live reactions to what's going on in that game. It's pretty close right now at halftime. The team is starting to play well. John Morant has woken back up um, from his recent slumber. But uh, let's talk, guys, real quick about the last five games. We saw two games in San Antonio, which the Grizzlies, those were two of the best performances of the season, two of the most fun games uh, that we've seen in a while, it seemed like everybody was clicking, and uh it was a lot of fun and Now we have entered this stretch where the Grizzlies are starting to regress a little bit back to the mean. They were on a the longest win streak in franchise history in terms of time. They did not lose from Friday, January eighth till Monday, February first, so um that was fun, but we've lost since to Indiana, Houston, and New Orleans. In, in pretty frustrating fashion. So Ty, let's start with you. Uh what what have been the biggest takeaways from the last five games in your mind?
1: Um so the two San Antonio games I think we matched up well. And I think our injuries didn't really show as much because everyone stepped up and played really well. Playing well mainly means shooting well. We just had a lot of guys who were maybe outperforming their averages on shots, like Melton hit a ton of threes against the Spurs. Um, we just played, like, I think the second game against the Spurs was maybe the best, like, complete, most complete game we played all year. Um and that got all our hopes up, thinking that was just going to continue forever. And then we run into a buzzsaw in Indiana, which we've never played well there. Or, and um, also
0: it was on the second night of a back-to-back. Second
1: night of back-to-back, and they couldn't miss, which is the trend that's been going on the last two games. Indiana couldn't miss to start the game. Um, and they are two bigs, were just a lot to handle. Mm-hmm. Turner's a really good defender. Sabonis is an all-star. We were without Jonas and Jaron, so we were playing with Gorgie and Tillman and Brandon as our front court, which is tough to match up when Brandon and Tillman are 6'8 and 6'7, respectively. And Gorgie is a guy who, when everyone's healthy, is playing 12 to 15 minutes a night. Um, So it was just tough there. And then New Orleans was really tough because we were winning. We were up seven with seven to go, seven minutes to go. Um, We made some maybe questionable... Lineup changes, uh, changes in the rotation. And they got several offensive rebounds, hit several threes. Before you know it, we were down and couldn't come back. Um, I think the biggest story, obviously, though, is Josh has been struggling. Um, Teams are definitely pinpointing him. Uh, He's honestly trying to, like, make the correct play. Like, he's trying to make the right play when he gets either doubled off the pick or whatnot. Um, but we just really don't have anyone else uh, to create. So I think a few things, main thing is we are really just, our limitations of our roster is showing um, big time. Uh, whether that's kind of top-end talent is just not there right now. Because um, when they put, other teams put their best five on the court and we put our best five on the court, we're just not good enough, to be honest. So
0: Yeah, it's and we really have to, to rely heavily on um higher than average play uh from our rotation guys which you can't always do that which is why you the best teams have the stars that bring it every single night and the rotation guys uh are then able to be inconsistent uh but we really need everybody to be hitting on all cylinders uh yeah i kind of agree it's been it's been a weird stretch of games because Houston was is another team that is playing really well right now and if you remember from the last podcast I I threw out a, a list of a few teams that I felt like we were in the same category and Houston was one of those teams as well as New Orleans. Those were two games back to back that I was really watching closely uh to see if we could, you know, eke out a couple wins there. Houston just felt like a game from the start that we just didn't have it. Uh they they're bigs Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate again exposed the lack of JV down there, which he's finally back tonight, which is uh, fun to see him out there. And the New Orleans was incredibly frustrating because we were pretty much neck and neck the entire way, and the last three or four minutes were just a complete disaster. Uh, Some rotational questions going on, some Dylan Brooks uh, fun shots being taken by the end, but um
2: Fan favorite here at the pod,
0: yeah, fan favorite for sure. And Brantley, before before we move into maybe some some news and then some talk, some more talk about that fan favorite. What did you did you have any takeaways from you know the last even three weeks of the season with our win streak going into sort of our recent dip? Anything that you
2: noticed of that you? Uh, as disappointing as the New Orleans loss was, I still just came away just feeling like New Orleans had so much more talent than we did, and it just was still surprising to me that we were still where we were since we were missing so much of our talent. And <clears throat> I don't know. I think some of it I just came away feeling like I mean it's really frustrating that we haven't beaten New Orleans, and they may just be a matchup problem for us, which is a long-term consideration that I've been wondering how to talk about potentially. But – our players fit so much better together it seems than what new orleans has and i think we've been talking about a lot about how you build toward for the long term and i wouldn't necessarily i don't we've talked about like certain players that should be a fit long term or not at least some of the makeup of our players are better fit long-term. We don't have like major contract commitments where you're really wondering if they can even fit alongside of each other. And that's where new Orleans finds themselves. And I would not want to be a fan of that type of franchise.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, obviously Brandon Ingram is an all-star right now playing like an all-star Zion is such an interesting conversation because of, the hype coming in, uh, the, the struggles that he's had, but at the same time, if you look at the box score, the production is, is still insane. Uh, but defensively too, a lot of questions there. And then Stan Van Gundy is such an interesting variable in that whole situation as well. Whether sort of a veteran coach was right for that roster and, and then some of the veterans that they're going to be turning over in the next couple of years. That's it is it's it's a fascinating team. I agree with you. I, w- I was hoping to have you know put up more of a fight, but at the same time, our two of our rotation guys are still out. And before I get to that news, Ty, what you got?
1: I was going to yeah jump back on that Pelicans thing again. So if you look at their roster, if you compare rosters, we are at a much more rebuild phase than they are they kind of jump started it with anthony davis trade which makes sense right i mean they got a lot for him um but eric bledsoe is 31 years old very established not going to get any better stephen adams is the same lonzo's in a contract year and they didn't renegotiate his contract he may be gone jj reddick is definitely on his last leg so, I keep I kept thinking the other night, like Nikhil Alexander Walker, who they drafted in the lottery the same year that John Zion went, didn't play a minute the other night. Jackson Hayes also went in the lottery, didn't play a minute the Bust. other night. So, it's just these guys that, like, who we as the Grizzlies would be forced to play because we don't have anyone else, right? Um, and yeah, so Brandon Ingham, don't give me the guy's a super, he's awesome. He's a stud. He's also like in his fifth year in the league. So think of like John, his fifth year in the league. Think of Jaron in his fifth year in the league. Like that's the trajectory they're on. They're so much more advanced and their timeline is so much more sped up than ours, even though they do have a ton of first round picks. The roster that is currently constructed is just should be like they should be way better than us. Especially when we're out three of our top seven to eight guys.
0: And speaking of that, the Grizzlies announced finally at the beginning of this month, on the 1st, that uh, Jaron and Justice, it's a very real possibility that we'll be seeing them before the month ends. And, you know, as fans, it's, an, it's, a, it's a bittersweet announcement because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting um, without any sort of communication or, or press release from the front office. And, and finally they come out and say something, but nothing has been set in stone. We've been hearing of videos of Jaron before the game working out with his brace off, not still not a lot on Justice. Uh, so at this point, I personally am in a I'll believe it when I see it mode, but at least that was actual news that we can talk about uh, on you know, the podcast here. So that's pretty much where the Grizzlies are right now. Um, I have one quick thing I want to share, and then we are going to get to a mailbag. So thanks for everybody that participate in our participated in our first mailbag we got a lot of really fun questions that we're gonna unpack uh, a lot of a lot of trade type questions which is unsurprising because that is often the most fun thing to discuss and so uh, we will get to those questions questions in just a second but uh, guys I I started a Twitter account and uh, boy hey, wh- did you wh-
2: what's it called it's
0: the handle is at trade brooks and it the the name is trade dylan brooks guys i couldn't I couldn't stand it any longer. Uh, I started to look at some
2: stats hey, come on in the water is fine.
0: started to look at some stats and I want to share some with y'all I've, I i I want to officially put my trade bar trademark on a a phrase that I'm going to we discussed this before last year in the bubble, but it's called a disaster mhm okay. Trademarking that that word love it, and I'm going to explain what the criteria of a disaster is. It's not is, every game it's not every game okay.
2: here are the three
0: criteria for that would make a game a disaster. number one, he's the top two in field goal attempts on the team mm. number two he shoots under forty percent from the field, which is very bad,
1: which is like just look up. The amount of players that shoot under 40%.
0: It's not a lot.
1: Starters in the league. Exactly. Look at that. Two guards. Shooting guards. Look it up.
0: So, that I just wanted to be extremely conservative when I'm talking about this. Ja just had a sick play that we're celebrating right now. Grizzlies are up 10 currently against the Raptors. Um, <laughs> and the final criteria is a negative plus minus for the game. So... Ooh. If he, if he, yes, he. Let's say he takes a lot of shots, and let's say he doesn't hit a lot of shots. But what if he contributes in other areas? Right. I want to give him, give him any opportunity to prove that he has. We like advanced metrics here. Yeah. So po- pl- negative plus minus. <laughs> uh, I can't right. wait to hear
2: how many so he's listen, had this season. are
1: fouls. Does that consider contributing to? I team was success? thinking
0: about fouling, yeah. but they're so hard to. Uh, to put, you know, the quantity doesn't necessarily always correlate to bad or good. Mm. Um,
2: and he always has at least five, so it's really hard to like. <laughs>
0: True. All right. So speaking of disasters, it's going to be hard to do this podcast with the game on, but we're going to try. All right. In his rookie season, he played 82 games. He did not play a lot of minutes, though. He did not play a lot of minutes. There were only five disaster games. Okay. Mm. Only five. That was 6% of the games. B-
2: because he probably didn't lead. He wasn't top two in a no. ever.
0: Conley and Gasol said, sorry, dude. 2018, 2019, he only played 18 games because he was uh, injured. He was injured, and he didn't start. That's a really important point here. He did not start in 2018, 19 games, and he didn't have any disasters in those 18 games. Zero
2: disasters.
0: 2019, 2020, this is when things start to turn a little bit, Okay. Out of 73 games played, which remember, there was a shortened season for the bubble, 19% of games were disasters for old Dylan Brooks. 19%. We only won three out of the, let's see how many that was, 14. We only won three out of the 14 games, and he started all of them. Uh, in but 20- whenever
2: he scored 20 points, we won.
0: <laughs> that stat uh, <laughs> has no basis anymore. Uh that was a, that was quite a flash in the pan. All right, now we get to 2020-2021. Okay, he's a fourth-year guy now, right? He should theoretically be getting better. He should be getting more efficient. He has better pieces around him. He has John ja Morant hitting him right where he wants it every single time down the court. We have played 17 games so far. We are can in we our get, 18th can we, game. Can
2: we, go, can we guess, please, sure. how many he's done?
0: How many disasters have there uh, been? How many do you think? Out of 18
2: games. 12. Oof. I'm gonna s- I'm sorry. I'm gonna say 11.
0: They're eight. Ah. So y'all made it y'all y'all made this less cool than it was. But here's the deal. <laughs> 44% of our games played so far this season, he is leading the team or he's second in field goals a- a- attempts. Ugh. He's shooting under 40%, and he has a negative plus-minus. Oh, this
2: makes me feel worse.
0: Okay? Listen, I I understand. I understand those people that are trying to defend Dylan. I, I, I do because it's what you have. It's almost like this this Stockholm syndrome that we're under right now because this is all we have, therefore we – and the rest of the team is so likable. We don't want Dylan to be the fly in the ointment, but he is. That's the truth. We have to think about that. We cannot, we have become blind to his poor shooting because we're so used to it at this point. The numbers prove it right here. We have become so used to him having, you know, four shots a game that don't make sense. But we cannot accept that if we want to be a championship contender. You just can't. Like, that's not a recipe for success when you assume that your guy is just going to be shooting under 40%. Half the time in half the games. That's ridiculous. So anyway, I'm going to be keeping up with this stat. Please follow at Trade Brooks to join. Um, I I very I I try to share something every day uh, on that account. Whether it's if you follow NBA Math, that's a great Twitter account that shows some analytics for each team, and uh, they show quadrants. And the top right quadrant is the best. Dylan Brooks is in the far bottom left, like farther than anybody. The, the worst quadrant. He it's is, negative, negative. He is by himself. Just, if you don't believe me, go to at trade
2: Brooks. There are very few players in the NBA that are even close to where Dylan's at on NBA math. It
0: is, especially starter level. I mean, guys, it's time. Um,
2: I'm so glad to have been ahead of the trend on this. I've been on the Dylan Brooks trade bandwagon I don't know how long. If you've
0: listened to this podcast nobody's going to say that we weren't speaking the truth from day one. Okay. Some of us I'm We're still, trying to go I, back and forth, including myself. And but, I'm I mean,
2: absolutely, I am shocked that it has not been more bold. I, like that, people haven't been more bold about it. Exa- and I don't know why it it's isn't the biggest
0: story besides job Morant being a superstar. Like that's number one always, but that can't, that has to be in the top three, uh, in the in the first three sentences I'm talking understand about the Grizzlies it. to it, me.
2: I'm I've got I've got grizz goggles on hardcore and I'm getting rid of this bro. Yep. All right. It's time to enter the mailbag. That was fantastic, by the way, Will. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the of the dill's aster.
0: Yes. It's I'm gonna be keeping I have a thread already started. We should make a shirt. We really should. we I just if so we we had a, we,
2: do we have we have a partner. We, we need to come up with a logo for Dill's Aster. We do. Oh. Can Dylan be made to look like a pickle?
0: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> a little bit, little fro on the top of the pickle.
1: So something that just happened in the game, uh, if y'all are watching. So, two fast breaks, basically back to back possessions. Jaw got the steal on one. Immediately gave it up to Bain. Bain dribbled up the floor, threw a lob to Ja. Awesome highlight, threw it down. Almost the exact same thing happened. Ja picked up like a loose ball, gave it to Dylan, ran the floor expecting a lob. Dylan just floor, just eyes directly onto the floor, didn't look up at anything, threw up some terrible looking layup that bricked, and it went the other direction.
2: I'm here to say I think Jenkins has got to bench his ass. I am so over it. I want him to come off the bench and play
1: 18 minutes a night, regardless of how well he's doing, and just that be it. And just, like, look. I mean, he just hit a three. I don't care. But just look to, like, limit his role within our offense and within our system. And why, I think when Justice comes back, we may have someone that can actually, like, take that spot. Right now, we kind of it would be Grayson and Bain solely. Um, but, yeah, I think we need to look into transitioning him to the bench sooner than later.
2: Especially when he does stupid stuff like that. And
1: this is why
0: I believe that it's not like it is at a point where we need to talk about trading him because I think the as I've said before, it's you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. Right. But his contract's
1: not bad enough to be like, Oh my gosh, we gotta get off this guy. Like his contract is at a point where we could easily move him to the bench, play him like a DNP one night, play him eighteen minutes the next, and that'd be okay. Yes, like but $10 million, $11 million it's a year energy, for a rotation. I get that. It's the but. energy
0: required in order to deal with him because he's not going to—he is not a quiet guy. He doesn't hide what he's feeling. You can see that on the court. And he seems like—I don't know this for a fact, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be happy— was stepping back
1: well he's never had to and he doesn't appear to be controversial either you never hear about anyone on our team like getting into it with one another or having beef with one another anything like that publicly at least um right so i don't know it's a tricky thing he's such a good like he is a good contract to have a top i don't know 12 yeah, 10 guy on your on your roster making the money that he is and he's starting for us yeah his ideal role is coming off the bench like a heater kind of score I don't think yeah I think we should just make the trend it's just what I think we all get frustrated at is that he plays like more minutes than anyone else on our roster and he takes more shots than anyone else on our roster by like four or five shots a game it's not even honestly close and he's just playing so outside his role Um and but I mean we've never tried to rein him in in any way and maybe you're right, Will. Maybe that the like it's past, like the tube, the toothpaste is out of the tube, as you said, and we can't, we can't rein him in. Um, but I think before we trade him, from a front office perspective, not necessarily my perspective, but I think we're going to try. We're not trading Dylan. I'll say that right now. Like I don't think from our front office perspective, we're not going to trade Dylan unless it's a part of a big deal, and they ask for him, and we maybe not afraid to add him in the deal but we're not like definitely not actively seeking to trade him which i
0: think is the right position to take because you want you don't want to be openly shopping a guy you want him to be a desirable asset in that way
1: so yeah and i think again like i said if you have a guy that's getting paid 11 million a year like a i mean that's not a terrible contract by any there's a lot of guys in this league that honestly might be worse than dylan getting paid more than that but I think Dylan is just terribly miscast. Um, and he doesn't also, he doesn't help his case because he doesn't play within any kind of system or offense. He just does whatever he wants. Right, that's, yeah. Which exactly. is his fault and maybe other people's fault, but.
0: Yep. Well, um, all right, it's time. Let's open the mailbag, boys. Um, First question is from Robert. Hey, Robert. And, uh, Old it is, Bob. Which player has shown the most growth in the last two years.
1: Ty. You're all looking at me. All right, Kyle Anderson. There's just no question. Uh within the last two years, you could say Jaron, but Jaron, like, he's you only expect his trend to be upward. Kyle Anderson to me is a completely different dude this year than he was when we first signed him. Um, I guess that was two years ago now. Uh We talked about this several pods ago, and it's definitely a trend within the Grizzlies. His shooting has improved tremendously. He's always been a guy that can just play with a lot of different lineups, do a lot of different things. Um, But I think his comfort, maybe the shoulder injury, I don't really know what it was. But to me, he is a completely different player today than he was two years ago. And I think, I don't know if it's improvement or just comfort or what it is, but to me, I would, yeah, he stands out to me for sure
0: we don't even have a lot of guys who have been on the team in the last two years that aren't either rookies or second-year guys or acquired by trade within the last two years that were already kind of who they were. So I think Kyle Anderson has to be the answer to that question. Um, Even within the first however many games that we've played, 18 or so, now, I mean, he's already already broken his personal three-point record for three-pointers hitting the season. So, I mean, he's been a, he's been an integral part of the success of the Grizzlies team so far this season. So, I think that's a great answer.
2: All right. Question number 2 from the Reverend Parker. Is Ja a more athletic John Stockton or a less athletic Russell Westbrook? And do you think the Grizzlies as an organization know what Ja is?
0: I'm gonna say yes. I think we absolutely know who Jaw is and if we had to if we had to choose between these two I would actually say a more athletic John Stockton to be No, I would too to for frank. sure. I just yeah. think that the difference between those two particular players uh that Jaw was compared to is Russell Westbrook, despite these statistics is never going to be a pass-first, was never a pass-first guard. And I think Ja is out to make his team better first, and that's by distributing the ball, giving it to them exactly where they want it, and then he's going to, to take his. And I think he reads the floor and he reads the situation better, um, than a lot of players already uh, in the NBA, and so I think that John Stockton was an expert at that, and I think um, I think that's who I would I would go towards. You agree, Ty?
1: Yeah, hundred
2: percent. Second everything you just said. I still like my my Nash comparison better than, or not mine, but collaboration with my neighbor Nash more than Stockton that uh, makes you hesitant because Nash is your boy
0: yeah, Nash is my boy and the only difference right now which I think that jaw could get to that le- I think he's honestly there with the situational awareness and even I mean Nash is the most elite passer we've seen in, in a lot a long time but he Nash also had a jump shot that you yeah. couldn't ever miss and I think that's the one thing Jaw is missing and he makes up for it in his athleticism. And so it's so,
2: more like Stockton right now.
0: Yeah. Well Stockton too. I think Stockton and Nash are a lot more uh, comparable uh, because of their, they played below the rim and Jaw just absolutely does not. So I think yeah. he adds an element to me that could actually put him over the top of both of those guys. And that's a big statement because you're talking about a two time MVP and Steve Nash and then, John Stockton, who had more assists than anybody ever. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's a good, good question, though. It's a fun one. All right, uh, number three. Um, this is from Wyatt. Considering everything, statistical profile, contract, trade, asking price, scheme, and fit, who would you rather have in Memphis? Zach Levine, who's been mentioned a few times on this podcast. Or Victor Oladipo. Ty?
1: to me. This like this is maybe the easiest question to answer of all time. It's Levine, and it's not even remotely close. <laughs> um, contract injury history. I know Levine had the ACL, but that was that was several years ago, um, and he has had two complete seasons where he has just offensively been a top you could argue, potentially top 10 offensive player in the entire league the last few years. Um, Oladipo, especially with the stuff in Indiana, they were they were wanting to get off him, like desperately trying to trade him. Um, that's not a good look. Um, the Bulls have not shown that with Levine yet. Um, I, yeah, I just love Levine's game. I get that there are questions about his defense. I get there's questions about his maybe playmaking within a team setting. Um, apparently his assists are way up this year. His assist percentage is way up. His potential assists are way up this year. Um, he's turning into a truly great offensive player. Uh, Oladipo is really athletic and I just don't think he has the same shot making ability. Um, or creativity as an offensive player. Defensively, Oladipo may be a little bit
2: better, but I would I would much rather have Levine. I think maybe pre-injury Oladipo has a better fit to sort of maybe make an argument for it. I think I think he was becoming known as a pretty powerful defender as well. I think just depending on the roles that he was in, not powerful, but he 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 was he was gaining a pretty decent reputation. But Levine, I think is all. Did you say this? He's like three to four. He's three years younger than Oladipo, I think. Yeah,
1: Levine's twenty five or twenty. That just fits the grist. I, I care more about Oladipo's some of it as little...
2: timetable uh, than than some of the other considerations. At least, just me personally, the asking price is probably yeah. fairly similar. And the contract of history.
1: Depot isn't expiring, so he's looking for a max deal this summer, and he's probably going to get it from someone. Um, gosh, I hope it's not us. Levine is locked up for the next two seasons well this season and next season at like 18 19 a year which 18 million a year for the best player on your roster in the current NBA and contract situations right now within the NBA is a steal Um, the Bulls are paying Otto Porter for instance like 29 million a year this year to basically come off the bench Levine's contract is amazing. Um, there, I, I, we may talk about trades a little bit later. And I, I, like I've mentioned a few times, I would love Levine. If you're the bulls, there's no way you give up Levine. Like there's already been stories out where Houston's not afraid to ship Oladipo out again, after they just acquired him. Um, because again, of his contract, he's going to be asking for so much money. Um, and Levine is still a young guy on a very fair deal, and I think Levine's only going to get better and better and better. To be honest, who was a better draft whoa, pick? Whoa, 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 Can whoa. I not go into that yet?
0: I haven't answered the the question. Well, it's
1: Levine. Next question. I'm just kidding.
0: Okay, I just wanted to give one point. Wow. The
1: classic host.
0: Ah. <laughs> the <laughs> the only difference here uh, that is worth the conversation because you look at the age. Levine wins in that category.
1: How old is Oladipo? Do you have it in front yeah, of you?
0: you got it. Hold on a Oladipo's contract. I to say he's twenty-six. Versus Levine's, as Ty just went over, that's a point Levine's favor. Uh, current health. Um, they both have injuries in their past. However, Oladipo's is more recent, and it has seems to have more of effect on his game. Point Levine. Um, Oladipo is twenty-eight. And the other point that I think Levine's twenty five is important to make as well is the um the situations. I think that oladipo has been on a team that's actually been to the playoffs and and won uh a series or two.
1: And they got rid of him for a guy who can't play this year.
0: Well, I think more of that was they things changed around him, which he couldn't control.
1: But they didn't want to pay him. And they knew they were going no, to have to. No, so they just got off him.
0: No, I just wanted to make the point though that sometimes when you bring a guy in um, who has been the number one guy on a losing team, uh, it takes time for that to um, takes time for that to, to wear off. And so that would be my only hesitation with Levine. Obviously, he's an elite scorer, and I think ultimately, spoiler, I think it's Levine as well. But the other thing too, I think, is important to mention with the Levine defense. You Justice coming back could actually alter the answer to that question a little bit. or it, I don't think it could alter the ultimate answer, but Justice coming back and being the defensive stalwart that we think he can be if he's healthy only makes the Levine choice that much easier yeah, to me. Yeah, exactly. But if Justice isn't who he is, you want another guy who can guard the other team's best player. Olatipo, when he is healthy, has shown that he can do that, and he can be an elite offensive Force, and so I think I don't think I I just wanted to at least play you know slight devil's advocate there, but overall I think the answer is Levine. So sorry, Brantley, go ahead.
2: Jay's question from Chickasaw Gardens is really curious here. Shout out, Ja. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Jay from Chickasaw. Um, Who was a better draft pick, Bain or BC?
0: This is an excellent question.
2: Good job, Jay. Oh,
1: man. So, similar situations. I'm going to say Bain. Um, The reason is we entered that draft owing our first-round pick to Boston. And this has been the long-storied convey, convey, convey pick. Oh, my gosh. We have to convey a really good pick. We actually conveyed it, and they picked Aaron Neesmith from Vandy, who's basically yet to play. And we traded two seconds, future seconds, to move up to 30th and pick Bain, who's leading the entire league in three-point percentage. The fact that we went from, like, no first-round pick at all and conveying our first-round pick to Boston and picking Desmond Bain, I think is more impressive than moving up two spots and getting BC. And I think Bain fills a way more vital, important role in our within our team that's really hard to find. Um and I think his role may be more important than Brandon's down the road and currently honestly.
0: Wow. Bradley, do you want to take this or do you want me to go ahead? Up to you.
2: I would like for you to go ahead first.
0: This one I'm still struggling with. Uh I have a soft spot for Brandon Clark. Um, I think that what he does has already become undervalued.
1: I think you can say did what he did last year. I this think, year is a, like he is struggling. I think, mightily.
0: I think that his the beginning of the season was tough for him. Obviously, he wasn't the same guy. He has some shooting mechanics. He's still working out. But I think too often we sometimes... Less
1: than 30% from three this year. It's like 26% from three.
0: Well, that's okay because now we have a guy in Bane who... Hey! There we go.
2: Law of averages.
0: But I also think that BC was sort of was in this founding group of Grizz Next Gen. And I think that without BC in the mix, it's... It's hard to—I uh, I think without him in our—as in a, a bullet in our holster, we—I I don't know. I just think he flies under the radar already, and I think that his efficiency is going to come back around. I don't think he has to be this incredible spot-up shooter. I don't think that that's what he does well. He's just the perfect power forward to me for the modern game. Because he knows what he's supposed to do, he gives it up really quick. He makes the right plays. He's a lob threat, and I think he's he's just fit right into this second unit, and he's going to be Mr. Reliable there. Bain is exciting because he fills a need that we have had for so so long, and so it's it's so nice it's so nice to have like it's just I love having both of these guys and having the the similar uh. I guess situations that they were acquired from where this Grizzlies front office moved up to, to grab them from the late first round. Um, I think if you're looking purely at the numbers, like Bain coming from the 30th, 30th spot versus Brandon Clark, I think Bain was a better find at that, at that point because a lot of draft experts agreed that Brandon Clark should not have dropped. Mm. And he was he, it was a lot easier to me to make that move than it was to pick the right guy in Bain who's already shown he's going to be a very, very important rotation player for the Grizzlies. So Yeah, your think, soft
2: spot's making you weak, dude. It's all Bain because he's a guy that I know for a fact in a playoff series, he's going to make my eight-man rotation. I'm not convinced BC does. I disagree. I think we disagree there. I think BC mm-hmm. is absolutely in it, which is okay. Like
0: yeah. I think we'll hopefully get to see that. Maybe. We'll get to see it play out. I just think want.
2: Brandon's like In this in this modern day era, I don't you don't you don't see a ton of power forwards getting that much PT in a eight in an eight to nine man rotation in a playoff series. But he's the perfect modern
0: for. That's what I think the, the guys who you don't Last see the, year
2: was the old
0: fashioned sort of bruisers who can't hang with the smaller lineups, but BC can guard all five positions.
1: I disagree. He cannot guard the five. There's no chance. He's six seven. Yeah, he's athletic, but like well, he, he couldn't guard on the five. Yeah, but he wouldn't survive them. doing it. Like if you're in a playoff no, series and he gets up. switched on Jokic, ball game. If he gets switched on AD, yeah, but Jokic is cooking game. Rudy Gobert. Like who? I'm just saying, like he can't switch one through five. Like he just can't. Like Bain can't either, though. But. I think BC has limitations for sure. I think he's very efficient and he's smart and he doesn't play within, he plays within himself constantly, which is huge. A lot of people like can't do that and don't do that. But like, if you look at what our offense, like these, this losing streak as well, like what are we starving for? We're not starving for like a guy who, I don't know, I guess does the little things. Like we have to have guys who can shoot. We have zero guys that can shoot. Bain is a guy who we traded from 40th to 30th. We moved up 10 spots and got a guy who, yeah, is leading the league in three point percentage as a 22 year old rookie. To me, that is like finding shooting is way harder than finding a guy who does like a lot of little things well. Like we just picked up a guy in Tillman who does a lot of little things well. Like the difference between Tillman and BC to me is like not tremendous at this point. Love that.
0: Yeah, I think the other aspect of this too is what it's harder to take away. Like I think it's easier to take away Bain's game if you're a defender. I don't think people are keying in on, on him yet because of his because of his just like but he we has had been in the ja. league for but eighteen games. Like
1: everyone's keying in on Jaw. That's what this whole losing streak has been about. Like man, Jaw has no one to give it up to. He's getting trapped. He's getting swarmed in the paint. When he kicks it out, no one else can do anything.
0: Yeah, no, I, I Agree with all these. Bane is like a beautiful. (laughs) I love that we're having the argument because it's just so fun to have actually both of these guys. Like I love them both. They're both very similar. This is really intense. This is
2: really intense. I've got my next question. Does Ty regret Chandler Parsons talk from a couple of years ago?
0: Definitely not. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Give me a break.
2: So
1: the last season. Don't you
2: dare try to justify your Chandler Chandler Parsons. Kind
1: of played for us. Kind of before. When we had Mark made and, some really good and Mike, lately, don't and all that it. good stuff, I predicted before the season that he would average, I think it was like 15-5-5, five five, which is not like just crazy stat line. Will you um, move us
2: on to the next question, please? I don't want to talk about He played parts. like
1: four games, got hurt, and then it was over, and that was it. <laughs> and he went to Chancon, and that was over. But no, I don't regret it. I was hopeful. Just like, I'm, just like Will's hopeful about Brandon Clark playing in a seven-man rotation on a playoff man team
0: rotation it's
1: the same thing
0: <laughs> all right this is another one from robert what or who is the most out- valuable asset the grizzlies have besides jaw and Jaron?
2: can we just for a second define what we think asset means for it this?
0: means a draft pick or a player basically things that you can uh put in a trade things that you own
2: I think currently our most valuable assets are either JV or Tyus outside of those two. Really? Okay. Because I think that I think that Tyus as a legitimate amazing backup point guard borderline could start and fill in has some legitimate Okay. Value. I see I think I don't, I, I'm i not saying I want to get rid of either of these guys. Right. I'm just saying that his production is legit. You know what you're getting every time. And a contender could plug him in tomorrow and use him potentially, I think. I think that's this is a good um,
0: clarification. Because I think there's an asset to our team, as in like who we have right now, and there's also trade value. Because I yeah. think that, for instance, a Brandon also, Clark would get more in a trade than a Tyus would sure but i see what you're saying as in no like what
2: we have on the team right now this as far as and tyus was also not having him in the bubble last year you could see how like how detrimental that was to our team as well
1: why would you say brandon is more of an asset
0: because he could get more in a trade
1: why though like why do you why do you think that way
0: uh age they're both 24 Yeah, but Tyus is a role like he's a backup point guard. He's not going to start it for you.
1: Brandon's not either.
0: What does? I still think that they would get the, if you put them both on the open market. Like
2: for I instance, we this. all talked about how <laughs> the BC is coming back. We just well, got that argument about that, it. I love
1: is, Brandon. I just think we need to like reasonable well, see of his who he contract is. Too,
0: it's because like Tyus, Tyus is a mid level guy. Like Brandon Clark is making a million dollars a year. Like he's a much. He's like three asset four, right four or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could also right uh, now. I mean, sure. I'm not yeah. saying like if BC gets overpaid by us, then all of a sudden like that ch- answer changes. But like, I think there's also a number for BC that we can't go above. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I just think for right now, like he would get more just by virtue of his contract. That's fair. <laughs> no, I. That's an. It's an interesting question. Uh, the asset because we don't really have any draft capital right now that i would say because the two picks that we have from other teams are from golden state and from utah those aren't going to be the golden state
1: is far enough out though that it could potentially be good steph will be like 35 when that pick conveys clay will be like 34 draymond might be like who knows he's looking rougher and rougher every year Um, and they may try to go all in on their window right now and trade some They may trade Wiseman for, hey, I don't know, you just don't know. Let's save that for a future so. mailbag
2: question to come up soon. Yeah, that's but good. it could
1: be, that was the first thought I had, was the Golden State pick. Um, just because it's far enough out that that could potentially be valuable, but at the same time, Golden State is a really well-ran franchise, and also they are not afraid to spend all the money. Um, they have four max players on their roster right now. Todd, four do you have an max answer, players. Do you
2: have an answer to the question that was asked?
1: What's the best asset? I just said it. The Golden State pick. You think it's the Golden State pick? Yeah, I Sorry. do. I think I was, it's. I, think I, it's was,
2: the, I was distracted watching the Raptors take over and start winning. I
1: think it's the Golden State pick. Okay. Outside of John Jaron, I think that's the maybe the most valuable asset we have. Interesting. Can I can yeah. I
0: give y'all my answer? Desmond Bain is our most valuable asset right now. I love, love, love the Desmond Bain. I'll take it. Hypocrisy that coming from this podcast. It's not hypocrisy. Right now. I'm just kidding. Two different questions, two different answers. I think that Desmond <laughs> Bain's contract, he's under team control on an incredibly good deal since he was the thirtieth pick, and he has a skill that is the most coveted in the league right now.
1: But franchises view like what like they view potential and there's nothing quite like potential like a oh, first round yeah, draft pick. That's, I mean, so, I think if you were like saying, regardless of matching salaries, if there was a deal out there in a team, if the Grizzlies are right, you can either have Bane or the Golden State pick. I think other front offices would say, give me the Golden State pick rather than Bane. That's what so? I think. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. 29 other teams passed on Bane.
0: Yeah, but they are regretting it. Are they? I think I think
1: front offices think that every decision they make is the perfect correct decision. I think that's where they're in there. That's why they're in the position that they're in. I think if you say, "Hey, we'll give you a first round pick in 2024 versus a guy that at that time will be 27, um which one would you rather have?" They would definitely take the pick, I think. Interesting.
0: I think that's that's a that's an interesting uh answer. I like it. I mean, I think you could very well be right if we look up, you know, in 5 years and see where that pick lands could be very well right.
1: I just think people always want the thing that they're not sure about whether that's hopeful or not versus the thing they think they already know. Like that's the knock on Bane is that he is what he is forever. Yeah. Like the upside is very very limited to his game. And a lot of other front offices see a first round pick, potentially lottery first round pick way down the road and they're thinking like, "Ooh, what could this become?" And I think their eyes would light up way more about the potential on that pick than they would Bane.
2: Since we're talking about assets so much, we got one question that sort of had a homework assignment to it a little bit, which was what's the best trade machine that you can come up with? Yep, for sure. Let's, it's time. It's, t- it's time to move into our our annual trade machine sort of <laughs> discussion where if you remember last year, this podcast was the first to predict that we would make a trade with Miami. I mean, not really, but sort of.
0: Yeah, okay. So we have all done this homework. We've all come up with – um, our best trade machine uh, trades. And it's, h- how do we want to do Can this? we talk
2: about a few that are just like out there that we're not going to talk about?
0: Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Let's
2: cover off, like there's one that's, t- to Ty's point, I didn't even know this was floating around, so it's floating around, that the Hornets want to upgrade their center position and JV for Cody Zell- Zeller and some other asset makes a lot of sense there the, the salaries match up so like for instance i put in jv uh and our second round pick via portland in 21 for cody zeller and miles bridges and that passes and we get a trade exception out of it so like that could be like a potentially good deal for the hornets who are trying to potentially make the playoffs upgrade their center position Zeller is on an expiring, so we get off that salary and we get a young asset in Miles Bridges to try. Now, they may not want to give up that much for it, so maybe it's just another pick or Second round something running. else like Two that. Two
1: seconds in Zeller for Jonas get, and yeah. call it a day.
2: So, and then I don't even know if there's many others that are out there, but I know that's one. I just didn't want to spend a lot of time on it.
0: Sure. Love it. Okay.
2: Can that we? That may happen, by the way. Like, I don't think so. Don't
1: I don't think know so? if we would take Coach. Yeah, Zeller. maybe Jonas is too valuable I for think our he franchise, is. but.
2: Okay, I I, I want to kick this off because we talked about our trade Dylan to start. Is this a, a likely one or a crazy? I'm one. putting this in my likely because okay. of what happened to this asset later uh, or last week. So the Atlanta Hawks had a guard who got injured, Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, and this front office is is on its last leg. They're making a push for the playoffs. They've got to get there, or they're gone. So that's a desperate front office, and I think we actually have a front office that can take advantage. DeAndre Hunter for Dylan Brooks, and we also give them our 2021 second from Phoenix. Who says no? Salaries match. We get a young asset in Hunter who's injured, doesn't help us right now, is as an asset for the future, 3 and D player. We get off a Dylan, he helps them score this year, plays free basketball. We would all love to hate him on the Hawks.
0: I think that, do you think the Hawks are more likely to trade DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish? I think, well, that's a really interesting question. Because they're kind of redundant, but they're both playing well this season.
1: Hunter is like closing, starting games and closing games for them. Reddish will have your occasional like 10 minutes per game, and he'll play 28 the next. But Hunter has been a very constant.
0: Yes. He had a bad rookie season, and he's
2: completely he's he's a lot better so i'd take I, either i don't care
1: i think that i don't yeah. think they're gonna give up either one to be honest with you um but hunter is older reddish is younger reddish again the the potential if both of them peak reddish is better mm-hmm. um but at the same time i don't yeah i don't think they're gonna give up either i think we would have to give up more than that so i think atlanta says no in that scenario but if from a grizz standpoint I would be all over that trade.
0: It's it's more. I would put it in the likely bucket as well. Like I don't think it's a crazy trade. Like I think it's good.
1: You think Atlanta would do that? You think they would it's give more up like 20- because of the, the, the front on office? The front office
0: spectrum of likely versus crazy. I think it's pretty pretty like on it's it's very close. I think but they, it's they on would the ask for like side. a
1: first round pick to get back DeAndre Hunter, Pot- who was like a fourth overall, I believe, pick. In he played that draft. his value. Like, they're not going to just, spot. oh, he's injured for three weeks. Let's trade him for Dylan
0: Brooks. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I I agree that it's probably not going to happen.
1: We would have to give up a first-rounder or another very – we would have to give up Brandon, for instance.
2: Dylan and the Utah pick for DeAndre Hunter.
1: Yeah, like that is a little bit yeah, more realistic. I, but I, I, I don't even know if they would do that either. But if I was
0: the Grizz, I'd do it in a heartbeat. All right. Ty, do you have any trades? I got a few. Um, give so us, give us one.
1: There's. Okay. Hold on. There's a writer. Really, uh, got another
2: one I can go with right now. I uh, believe it. So
1: this is kind of a weird one <laughs> that I don't really know if it would happen, but I w- I wanted to mention it. Um, so it's a trade with Philly. Um, so Philly is kind of looking like they're going all in on this window and the team that they have and beads playing at a, a very high level. They didn't trade Ben Simmons. They look like they're kind of locked into their their roster that they play. One guy that's kind of fallen out of the lineup is Matisse Tybel mm-hmm. He hadn't really played a ton. Um, so the trade I had was Dylan to Philly for Mike Scott, who's a five million expiring, uh, the Poirier guy who we thought we were going to get from Boston, who's a two and a half million again expiring, and then we get Tybel back in the in the trade. So, it's basically Dylan for Tybal, but we add in some expiring contracts to make the money work. I could actually see this happening, too. I could see Dylan playing a bench role for them, a bench score slash shooter. If you look at his, like, standstill spot-up shooting stats, they're actually pretty good. He just doesn't do it that often.
0: And Rivers is a good... I mean, he's not yeah, going to take it. I could BS. see Doc
1: doing that. But also, Dylan doesn't have to play. He can kind of spot minutes you. Like they have Danny Green. They have Seth Curry. They have other guys to play that role. Dylan becomes a luxury rather than a necessity. And I think if we could get a young defensive stud and Tybel, I think we would do
2: that trade. Um, I love so that, that was trade, a trade tie. that I threw out. I, I do love, love that it. trade. And I think it decently is realistic. Can we so, make sure that the Trade Dylan Brooks account officially posts all of our Trade Dylan Brooks scenarios? Absolutely. Okay, great. That passes with screenshots? Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Who says
1: no to that in y'all's mind? Does Philly like automatically shut the door? Like what are y'all thoughts?
2: I did I don't know if Philly really needs Dylan. Do they need That's the, the rotation that they have no they don't, but but he's not eleven million per year. Right. But could they see Dylan as, like, the
1: ninth man in a playoff series? Like, I got to just come and see if you can get some buckets.
2: I mean, have they been watching this season or last season? That's true. I don't know what Maury's analytics, how
0: kind they would be. So
1: Maury was another thought because they took Ben McLemore, who played for us for half a year and looked horrendous. That's a good point. And Maury picked him up and said, you will stand still and you will shoot a three and do nothing else. Ben Mockimore was shooting like forty five percent from three on just standstill jumpers, and that's all he did. He either shot or immediately passed the ball.
0: Yep, that's a good trade, Ty. All right, I only have I only have one that I am excited okay. about. Okay,
2: okay, Maybe, okay so This is go, my other Dylan yeah, trade. Yeah, you go first. This is I, th- I could sort of see this front office liking Dylan because he's going to help them compete, and I could see this head coach sort of liking his tenacity and that's the Knicks because his contract's not nuts. He's a
0: total Knicks
2: player. He's a total Knicks player. So if we give a pick like the – I just kept putting the second, like the Portland second and Dylan. We get Austin Rivers back, who's not expiring. So he's got – he's three and a half for the next two years. And also we get back Kevin Knox. They're not really playing him that much. So what's the exact trade? We get Rivers and Kevin Knox. They get Dylan Brooks and a second-round pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like because they
2: just traded for Derrick Rose, right? So they don't need they don't need Rivers from a point guard perspective as much.
0: Yeah, he's kind of the heater off the bench guy. I wonder how much he's making. Do you know?
2: Three and a half million per year
0: for two two for years.
2: This year and the next two, and uh-huh. Kevin Knox is four and a half this year, and I guess like five next year. Man. And they've kind of they've kind of Knox
0: did, is a guy that I just have not seen in, in a couple of years, and I think it's because of the lack of uh, production. I mean, he's definitely a guy that might, could use a new home. That's what I was looking at. That's not a bad trade.
1: I don't hate it either. Um, I had a similar trade, but instead of Austin Rivers, I was going to do Dylan for Knox and Milikina, Um because... Mm-hmm. nilakina has been a huge bust for them, barely getting off the bench. And, yeah, he may not be that great. We'd be kind of taking a flyer mm-hmm. on him and Kevin Knox because Kevin Knox will show flashes but also hasn't been crazy productive. I think Austin Rivers could get more from a contending team. I don't know what. I think I what, flip him after I, getting him is what I was saying. Yeah, also yeah, yeah. I think a team down the road would want him to come off their bench and play – Potential playoff minutes. So my yeah, similar trade, but I had Nilakina instead of Austin Rivers.
0: I, I would probably say no to that trade. I think if you're to both trade. of them to the yeah. to the Nilakina one. Cool. But uh, all right, are you all ready? <laughs> <Your fun one? laughs> this, Can't is, wait. this is this Isn't is like my a six big teamer. Trade. No, 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 no. Um. All right i've I've been long on the record about this particular player.
2: Buddy Heald. Let's go. (laughs) Wait, is it really
0: Buddy Heald? It's not Buddy Buddy Heald. Heald. I knew it was a Buddy Heald trade. gosh. But listen to this. Gorgie Jang, Dylan Brooks, and Grayson Allen to the Sacramento Kings in return for Buddy Heald's monstrosity of a contract and Marvin Bagley- the third
1: dude we would have to throw in like two there's first no to make way, that happen there's no way sacramento that. would ever do that
0: have you seen what marvin bagley's dad has been tweeting
1: it doesn't matter man they're not gonna get just, that's like Gorgie and listen that's not gonna
0: happen that, here it is here it is you have marvin bagley which if you look at the numbers is probably the biggest bust of a draft pick that hasn't been talked about as a bust but it really is uh, in a long time, given who who, who else was drafted around him. That's you have true. Buddy Heald, who I don't care how good he is, he's not worth $100 million on a contract like that. Uh, yet, his production, his tenacity, is exactly what I feel like would fit on this Grizzlies team, with Ja at the helm. And he's been, I mean, they the only thing that hurts this is they've traded or they've let Bogdanovich go they were kind of choosing between those two guys and it seems as though they didn't want to pay Bogdanovich therefore by default Heald slid into that role and I think that the front office the current one who which is new is going to want to start fresh and I think you give Dylan Brooks who's a cost-controlled wing he's basically you can talk yourself into him being Buddy Heald on a discount you have Grayson Allen, who's a very hopeful asset, and if you don't like him, you can cut him loose after one more year of making, you know, two and a half million or whatever he's making. And then Gorgie James in expiring. And so you almost get to start fresh, and if we need to throw in a pick to make that happen, then we can do so. But if anything you th-
2: what pick would you throw in to make that happen?
0: I would throw in the I would go up to the Utah first. But not. I think
2: I, th- I think I would throw the Utah first in there, to do all to get off of Dylan to have a shot at seeing what Buddy looks like, and honestly to rehab Marvin and see if he can be your exactly because then you could you can either play him up, get rid of him, or you can get rid of BC and he could be your BC replacement.
0: Honestly, I would rather have that option if I need. That's it. an
1: interesting one.
2: That's very interesting.
1: So I had a trade with the Kings as well. Well, I didn't. The, a big Grizz rider, Matt Hartlicka. I don't know if you all ever read his stuff. He had a really interesting trade the other day that was Gorgie, Grayson, Jonte, or Tilly, or just whoever kind of like two-way guy you wanted to throw in for Harrison Barnes. And maybe we get like a second or two. I'm out. Reason I'm out. is Harrison Barnes, $22 million this year, $20 million next year, eighteen on his final I'm year. Out. I don't like it. I'm out. I actually like that way more than the trade you just mentioned.
0: Really? Yeah, Harrison Fine. Barnes is
1: a year older than Buddy Hield. One year older. He's,
0: he's basketball old. Buddy Heald's no, basketball young. Not
1: true at all. They've just been in the league a lot, lot less because Buddy went all I four really years at Oklahoma. About the
2: Buddy Hill trade, but I'm going to move on to my three teamer. <laughs> oh, let's go. I okay. wouldn't do the Buddy <laughs> one, by the way.
0: That's crazy. Okay, so this team and this, that wouldn't this happen. trade.
2: <laughs> this trade is this was one that I was kind of like. It's on the verge of being likely because it's honestly like we don't really get that much out of it. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Uh, the Wizards get Gorgie Wiseman and the Minnesota 2021 round one first pick from Minnesota. The Warriors get Bradley Beal. We get Kelly Oubre and the Warriors 2023 first round. It all works.
0: Oubre's contract is up after this year. That'd be my only issue with it. But we get a draft pick for – Doing business. We're basically
2: just getting the, fir- the first round draft pick to do business, see what Uber looks like on our team. And the Wizards can't trade Beal to the Warriors without a big contract.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's Gorgie. Man. If it could work, that'd be awesome. And the Warriors, I think, have got to go in, in my opinion. Do you think the Wiz say no? The Wiz may need another pick out of that, but they're getting basically, they're getting. An awesome pick this year right. from the Wolves.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. They're that's getting
2: an... a top three pick
0: this year. No, that's that's an insane haul. I mean, if you think about Wiseman plus another potential cornerstone, <clears throat> and... why would you
2: not do that if you're the Whiz to get off a of Beal? I think it's you're locked into Westbrook. You're stuck there.
1: I don't know if we would get a pick out of that. I agree. We would probably play? get Ubre. Yeah, we we would that Ubre is what we would get to play.
2: Okay, so if we only get Ubre, is that enough?
1: No. Yeah, Gorgie and Ubre swap pretty much. I mean, much. Absolutely. yeah, but it's a
0: rental. Ubre's there's no chance he's signing.
1: But Gorgie's leaving too.
0: Yeah, but I think I would want to put Gorgie into a trade where we get just a slightly better asset. Yeah, you got to get a pick than a second round. Pick. We like, wouldn't get. Would a I pick I think it'd be like that, a then. second, and I think if we could get a first out of that deal, I would do it every day, all day. Yeah,
2: that maybe is too much for us.
0: But if I mean, if it's a lower level first, who's
2: that's to great. say? Who's to say
1: Ubre would would walk?
0: Uh, I mean, we're going we could have
1: like not. close to thirty million salary. in cap I space. Even, I though. wasn't even doing Oubre. Was like, like if we really I wanted, wanted Ubre, we could keep Ubre.
2: The pick was what I wanted, honestly. Ubre made the salaries work.
1: Can I, I throw out one to make Will mad, or y'all want to go ahead? Will, Brantley, you got another one. I have one more, Dylan. Okay. Let's do
0: let's do two. Two more. One I'll do one tie, real quick. One Gorgie,
1: Dylan, and Brandon to the Bulls for Levine and Thad Young. We also throw in have two that exa- first have that exact same two first round picks. Holy frick. We throw in We're either one of first round picks? Levine's yeah. going to get two first round picks, absolutely. So it's The Utah Gorgie, and the Golden
2: State or the Utah and the what?
1: Doesn't matter. Whichever one they want. All right. For Gorgie, <laughs> Dylan, and Brandon, and we get Levine Brandon and Thad and two Young. two first
0: round picks. For Zach Levine, huh?
1: And Thad Young.
0: I like Thad, but his the averages say that he's having a very outlier of a year.
1: I could say that the averages said Brandon had contract. an outlier earlier last year. <laughs> There's not enough
0: data,
2: Ty. I like this trade. I don't think the Bulls would do it. I like. I mean, it makes sense, but I, I, I don't think, think they okay, would either. It's not crazy because I do think – which firsts are those? I just put in there the Utah first and the Golden State first, but the Golden State first may be too much. But to your point. So we you still could...
0: control all of our own firsts yeah. in the future. And I think the Utah one makes complete sense. Um I might hold on to the Golden State one and then throw one of ours in. That's fair. Instead.
1: I was just saying two future firsts. Protected. And Gorg, they get an expiring. Gorg, they get off Thad Young because he's got another year on his contract.
0: Yeah, Thad's not a bad backup center by any means. Definitely not. Um no, that's We a, get that's off Dylan trade, and I Brandon,
1: and we get Levine, who could potentially be our small forward moving forward. That's good. To play with justice.
2: Last like one. It. Let's hear it. The Grizz give up Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, and Brandon Clark. We get back in return Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, and maybe a pick.
0: I was playing around with the
2: Nuggets. Wait, uh, how many picks roster do we have to as well, put in? But we don't put in. I was just. Not putting in any. I was doing mainly just. For Dude, us.
1: MPJ is like getting at least like two or three first round picks from us. You think?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because BC not worth a pick to them to help make them. Oh this gosh,
1: year. no. Michael Porter Jr. in five years again potential could be a just scoring machine.
2: But he's terrible at defense. Doesn't really fit their style of play.
1: Still, I'm just saying, like on the open market, there's a lot of teams. If Michael Porter Jr.'s name got hit the market, there'd be a lot of people throwing out a lot more than we could okay, so for that picks. I think.
2: I was just making salary. It would worse. be
1: at least two first rounders, maybe even three.
0: I would say the only issue with the trade is that the Nuggets are in more of a win now mode and I think that those three assets that we would be giving up are more so if you're in the the middle tier. And Gary Harris is their build. starting
1: two guard, and Michael Porter Jr. is closing games for, those. Are two guys closing games for them, arguably? Yeah, it was a
0: stupid trade.
1: Like, they're going to take, they <laughs> would <stupid>. need a <laughs> lot. I think that the, like, the that's, the Harris, that's the Beal is a baseline. That's the Beal baseline
0: type of player where it's bad money, you know? It's oh, absolutely. It's, it's a good contract. He's a salary to look for. match guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Hmm. Man, good trades all around. I was very impressed. Me, too. Yeah. Branley. <laughs> Well done, man <laughs> I can't wait to see Dylan Brooks in a Hawks jersey.
2: It's gonna make me so happy.
0: All right, so this is a good question off of this, and we'll end, we'll end with, uh, we'll end with this one, and maybe one more. Um, this is from JC. Is trading Dylan Brooks a real possibility?
2: We just outlined them for you.
0: Do we think that it is a real possibility? Let's say this year.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: It's hard to say because it's obviously dependent on the trade.
1: I mean, if we were pushing it, I think we could make it happen, but I do not think we are pushing it in any way, shape, or form. I think we view Dylan as an asset that we will keep moving forward, and he's just not playing in the correct role right now because we don't have the player to take his
0: spot. That's what I think. I tend to agree. I think it's a next-year thing if it happens. Mm-hmm. That makes my heart hurt. Um, unfortunately. All right. And last one. Um, what is your all time favorite Grizz game to see in person? We'll end here.
1: 2011, game six against the Spurs when we clinched I, first round series. I was
2: there too. It was, I was there and I'll never forget it. Was I, was the greatest greatest it. Game. I was there. Um, I'm just going to zag. I can't remember the year, but the year when we finished the clips off in oh. the Groundhouse and Chris Paul got ejected and so did Zebo and. Everybody was yelling, "Whoop that club!" That was, awesome. was awesome. That's incredible, man. Two
0: inc- two awesome memories. Let's hope we have some more of those in our near future. Um, for Ty and Brantley, I'm Will. It's been another. Edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We'll have to do another mailback here in the coming months. Uh, once we we have a more realistic sense of number one, the trade deadline, which is coming up at the end of March, but also where the Grizzlies are going to fall uh, in the playoffs potentially. Uh, but until then, we'll talk to you guys next time.